Uh, thank you, Michael. Good evening, folks. As uh, Ken introduced there, for those of you uh, I've not met previously, my name is uh, Johnny. I'm variously a member of our church here, a leader in our encounter youth group, uh, a husband, a dad, a teacher, and I suppose most significantly someone uh, who for 20 years or so has been doing his best uh, to, to follow Christ in my life. To start this evening, I'm going to take us back to, to 2019, which was the end of that year was a really significant one for me and my wife, uh, Sarah. We went through this really quick period where our, our life changed completely. We went from living as a couple in a place in Gateshead to a new house and very shortly after had two uh, little ones move in with us as we went through the process uh, of adopting uh, our son and daughter. One of the things that really stood out in that time period, uh, aside from the exhaustion, was the support that we got from our friends and family was, was just incredible. People kept on bringing time and gifts. And I've actually kept one of those gifts on my, my bedside, in my bedside drawer ever since. It, it came from a colleague from my, my previous workplace, a guy called Alistair, who really thoughtfully got us basically this survival kit for the first few weeks of kids. And it uh, had like a massive bo box of, of cans of Coke, which people who know me well know I absolutely love. Haribo, also love. Pringles, chocolates. Uh, and also some light reading, a book about the history of uh, the Northumbrians. And then also this, a copy. Uh, for those of you who can't see this, this is a pristine, unopened copy. December 2019 of Men's Health magazine. The headlines include uh, the future of fitness. And in the small print there, we've got a couple that actually I find quite interesting. So things like fight flab by eating carbs. I tried that out last night by having rice and chips and naan with my curry. And <laughs> I will feed back to everybody if that's made a difference or not. And six pack hacks for tired men. Uh, now that really is speaking my language. If of course, by the six pack ideally as Jaffa cakes would be uh, my preference. You might be thinking, wow, Johnny, why have you kept it in its packet like that? Are you like one of those guys who maybe collects like Star Wars toys and like keeps them pristine in their uh, packaging so that you can sell them on maybe in the future as they appreciate uh, in value? The answer to that would be no. The answer to that, in fact, would be just, just look at the cover. Oh, no, that's the reading. Uh, look at the cover. This is just not me. Uh, and actually, the image that this represents to me feels just so like ridiculously beyond reach, stressful and pressuring to me. It makes me literally, it's just sat in my bottom drawer. For, for, and I've never quite had the guts to chuck it out. Tonight, I'm going to chuck it out. Tonight, it's going to go. Or if anyone desperately wants it, you can see me after if you are interested in those six-pack hacks. Uh, the, yeah, tonight, I'm going to chuck it because actually, it just stresses me out completely. As part of our, our planning for this series, we, we started with a list of impossible commands to choose from. And from this list, I, I was really keen to, to, to grab tonight's title for myself. Folks who are at our meeting will be able to tell you about it. I initially was just like, particularly for the guys in our encounter group, when I think about some of the pressures you face, if I could sum it all up in two easy words, what might I call it? Well, it would be tonight's title, Be Perfect. So it might be a sense of the person who you're able to show the world on your social media 
uh, the sense that every picture, post, and video has to be you know, manicured and manipulated and cultivated to match the personal brand that you're showing to the world, where appearance can feel like it's valued over authenticity, or where people sharing their imperfect reality is the surprise rather than the pattern. Or it might be about pressure to academic perfection, you know, maybe especially for folks here who are in year 11, year 13 with GCC and A-level exams kind of sneaking up on the horizon. Or it might be pressure to, in our sporting life or in our, our relationships, our perfect relationships and friendships or the perfect career path, whatever it is. It, it, in my mind, the, the cumulative effect of all of that can lead to worry and stress and anxiety and concern. Uh, and maybe for some folks, you know, I feel like people fall into one of two groups with this. Either you're stressing and you're striving to reach it, or a bit maybe like me with a men's health magazine, actually you just close off against it completely and choose to go a separate path. So tonight, as Ken introduced, we're looking at the second one of our impossible commands. Uh, and maybe what, what did he think when he heard Christ's words there to us? As he says to us, be perfect. Maybe you think like me, Jesus, that's just an impossible standard. You know, why should I even try? Why should I even start on that journey? I'm never going to reach it. In, instead, I hope that as we examine uh, Jesus' words as well as our first reading tonight, we're actually going to see something radically different, completely different that rather than setting up this perfection as this unobtainable standard, that perfection actually is Christ's gift to us for an amazing act of grace. So before we, we look at God's word together a little bit more, let me just pray for us. Father God, I thank you for the word and for the chance for us to read it this evening and to talk about it. Please soften our minds and our hearts to be receptive to hear you speak for it this evening. Amen. We're going to start by looking at the first of our two readings. If you have your Bible handy, that was in Romans 5. Reading from verse 12, where Paul starts by engaging us and reminding us of that reality of our own imperfection. At verse 12, he says, Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man and death through sin, and so death spread to all men, because all sinned. In this part of the letter, Paul, with the accuracy of an expert doctor, diagnoses both our reality, but also the, the kind of the root cause of our present situation. He traced it back to it first to the, the very root of human existence uh, in the, the book of Genesis uh, as Adam and Eve sin. But yet Paul also realizes that our sinful nature is embedded in our, our very human condition. On one level, this could seem a pretty bleak way to, to kind of start a talk, isn't it? You know, you could put our, our sinfulness pretty high on those list of things that we, we try to keep under the surface and don't mention. Also very high on the list of things you should never see, say, to, to a new baby. You know, maybe go to see the little new baby the first time. Oh, she's so cute, she's so cute. She's so inherently sinful at the core of her existence. You know, it, it's definitely going to scratch you off the, the potential godparent list. 
if that's your angle. But yet in the same way that a doctor needs to get an accurate diagnosis, he needs to, doesn't he, so that he can prescribe the right treatment. It's essential that we recognize just that the reality of our condition without God. We, we can look at Adam and Eve through the, the eyes of judgment, but in fact the reality is, is that you or I would have done just the same. We can know this is true because day by day you and I do just the same. We, we look at God and we reject God just as Adam and Eve did. We say, God, you know, I am the Lord of my existence. I know better, thank you. And the Bible in this passage is really clear about the, the consequences of that. It's death. If we say to God in, in the here and now, my will be done, then ultimately in judgment, God will say regretfully, yes, your will be done. But sadly, that will is one of separation and death. And it would be bleak if the, the story ends here, but thankfully it doesn't. But, but only a fool would ignore that diagnosis. To, to take it back to that medical metaphor, again, only an idiot says to the doctor, oh, you're just a pessimist. I'm fine, honestly, I'm absolutely fine. Give it a couple of days, I'll be right as rain. No, instead we listen to the doctor. We try and understand him and we follow his instructions. And actually, as we, we see God's diagnosis of our situation through Paul this evening. Uh, it's right that we treat it seriously. It's, it's right that we understand it. But in turn, it, it's an amazing thing because it allows us to see just truly how incredible the cure is that Christ offers. Because whilst we are born imperfect, Jesus offers us just a, a transformative solution. Just skip down with me to, to verse 15 where, where Paul continues. Uh, and describes what Christ offers. He says, the free gift is not like the trespass or the sin. For if many died through one man's trespass, much more have the grace of God and the free gift by the grace of that one man, Jesus Christ, abounded for many. Just coming to verse 17 as well. So he says, for if because of one man's trespass, death reigned through that one man much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. Let's just look at this bit really carefully. In this part of the Bible, Paul's trying to help us understand it by drawing that, that absolute kind of uh, light and dark comparison between Adam and Christ. So if we look at some of the words that he associates with Adam there, uh, he describes it as trespass. He, he tells us it leads to the death of many. In the second half of verse 16, it leads to judgment and to condemnation. Uh, and through him, it appears at least, that death and imperfection will reign. But in contrast, look at the words that describe Jesus here. He offers us a, a free gift of grace. His grace, it spreads, it shares, it abounds to many. It brings, verse 16, justification. That's a Bible word for the opportunity to be right with God again, to be friends with God again. Uh, and what's the outcome of that? Well, if the outcome of Adam is separation and death, well, well the opportunity is life and life to the full. The contract is just stark. It's, it's dark versus light. It's perfection versus imperfection. And the most amazing part of it all is the price tag. 
It's absolutely offered free. You know, everybody loves a freebie, don't they? I'm happy if I, I, I get a Kit Kat. How much more amazing is this gift of life through Christ? So in this part of the letter to the Romans, Paul's hoping to, that we understand that whilst our, our fundamental nature without Christ is rooted in sin and imperfection, Christ is offering us the free gift of his nature to resolve our problem. It, it, Christ's very nature is perfection, isn't it? His perfect life shows this, that the one man who can lay claim to that he offers us his perfection, almost as like a cloak to wear over our imperfection. And it brings the most amazing benefits with it. You know, it, it changes our status in front of God. We're no longer enemies of God. Instead, we're, we're adopted sons and daughters. It offers us a, a renewed meaning in life as we seek to live out Christ's offer of life in all its fullness. It affects the way we see our future. Uh, and it affects ultimately how we see death. It, it changes our perspective on what's going to come after death because we can have confidence rather than, than seeing our imperfection and, and judging us for that. Christ in, sorry, God instead will see Christ's perfection uh, and find us righteous, find us right with him. That gives us confidence for life in all its fullness now uh, and confidence for life everlasting too. The message our world wants to, to give us about perfection is you have to earn it. You have to put in the hard yards, the training regime, the, the academic study, whatever it is. It's hard earned. But instead, Christ says to us, come, accept my free gift. Or whilst the world says perfection is always about wanting that little bit more, you know, money, status, look, satisfaction, Christ says to us, Come and lay these things down. They're not important. Accept me as the most important thing. And whilst the world says perfection can only be good for a moment and gone again, Christ says, come and, and trust me for today and trust me for all your tomorrows too. Christian author John T. Alcock describes it really helpfully like this. He says, Perfection is not a target we're aiming for. It's a gift we've received. Perfection is not the standard you have to hit to be accepted into God's family. It's the standard Jesus has met to welcome you in. In the light of all of this, it completely changes how we look, therefore, at Christ's words as we jump back to Matthew's gospel with me in Matthew 5. Those words take on a whole new light. Let's uh, head across to Matthew 5 now as we, we look at our last point and we consider Jesus' seemingly impossible command to be perfect. Matthew's account of the life of Jesus, the Sermon on Mount, is basically the longest account that we ever have in, in, in the Gospel of Jesus just talking. And it's in this part of the Gospel that we find at the end of our, our second reading tonight. Jesus says, be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. On the surface, at least, this does look like the very essence of an impossible command. But in light of everything we've seen now, let me just share two ways, I think, that what we've seen helps us understand this better. So firstly, Jesus' words, be perfect, they're actually an invitation, aren't they? 
They're an invitation to accept that gift he offers and be like him. One of the patterns of the Old Testament is the way in which God seeks to resolve this uh, problem of being a perfect God trying to live with imperfect humans. I don't know about you, but when I often think about the Old Testament, I associate with, with human striving, you know, striving to follow the law. It's about human effort and, and maybe a distant God. But actually, on closer examination, what the Old Testament shows us is a God who time and time again tries to draw close to humans and offers them a way to do it. Uh, he provides a lamb for Abraham to sacrifice. He provides the Israelites with rituals to, to come, become clean and to come into his presence. Uh, and that pattern finds its fulfillment. So I get my words out properly. That pattern finds its fulfillment in Christ, doesn't it? As Christ dies in our place, he opens a way that we can come to our heavenly father. We can lay down in front of him and give him all our imperfections and ask for his help instead. Our imperfection is transferred to Christ and he deals with it completely. Notice how he describes God in this Matthew verse here. He describes him as a heavenly father. Christ's death opens up a way for that to become true for us. We can become children of that heavenly father. You know, Christ's perfection, it doesn't make him stand at a distance and shake his head at us. Instead, it drives him to draw as close to us as he can get, even to the point of death. So that he can, he can make us perfect and take us to his father, us brothers and sons. And as well as that, that invitation to accept Christ's forgiveness. The other thing that we, we see in Matthew 5 is actually that, that command to be perfect. Instead of pressure, it's a privilege for us to pursue. Because now as, as, as sons and brothers, we have this opportunity to, to, to want to live out and to, to, to resemble that family pattern. It's the right and logical response born out of love and, and gratitude to the, the father and the son. It's a bit like a, a father that, that admires, sorry, a son that admires his father and just desires to join that family business. You know, we should be like that too, desiring to do the things that Christ does, desiring to pursue perfection and godliness, not out of a spirit of fear and, and judgment and pressure, but instead out of love and passion and desire. You know, if we love that message of acceptance and forgiveness and redemption, it's only logical that we too should have a heartfelt desire for godliness too and living for Christ day by day. And what's amazing too is we're not left alone just to do this by our own effort. You know, as Christ returns to heaven, he leaves us his holy and perfect spirit to, to live in us. And when we become Christians, we can invite him in to help to lean upon him when it's difficult to do this. And it's no doubt it's difficult to listen to him as he speaks to us when we pray and to seek to walk in step with him day by day as we find it in the spirit. We can find this whole new power to live the life that God desires for us. Let's be clear. The Bible and our experience, you make it certain this is a lifetime's task. And it's a task that we might 
and will never actually complete. There is no doubt that time and time again we'll fail, we'll fall into sin. But on those days we, we mess up, we can confess those sins. That sin doesn't define us. We find Jesus still there, quick and ready to forgive. One piece of bedside table reading that I'm happy to, to say I've, I've not shied away from is this book that our, our sermon series links to uh, over the next four weeks. Uh, it's called Impossible Commands. It's by the author I shared a quote from before, a guy called uh, John T. Orcock. The chapter on Be Perfect is, is tremendously helpful. I'm just going to share, I think, probably my highlight of it with you is where he gives us four steps, four almost like words of advice as to how we can move forward day by day in our attempts to be more like Jesus, to be perfect. He gives us four things that we can say. So he says, first, first up, say, I can't. So rather than thinking of perfection as just this impossible mountain that we can never even bother to start climbing, leaves us shrugging our shoulders and saying, I, I won't even try. Instead, we say to God, on my own God, I can't do it. You know, we can be honest with God about the things that seem in human terms impossible, be it maybe patterns of sin that seem insurmountable. Tell him the ways in which you're tempted, tempted even just to give up and just accept that bit of, imper uh, of imperfection. Tell him, God, I can't do it. Then secondly say, I'm sorry. Recognize sin as it really is, as we saw in Romans 5 tonight. Sin is serious. It's the root cause of our, our separation from God. It's a path that ultimately leads to death. Confess sin as it is, the big things and the small things. But as we confess, we can confess with confidence. We confess with confidence that we have a God that we speak to who has already made that way to solve and forgive those sins, every sin, the big and the small, completely and absolutely. Then we say, God, please help. So rather than defining ourselves in terms of our imperfections, we now have this, this amazing opportunity to take hold of our new identity as, as adopted sons and daughters. Ask God to help you to, to joyfully pursue this family resemblance to live as a child in the likeness of your father. Ask him to help you hear his spirit in, in times when it's difficult. Ask him to help you be brave in the face of struggles. Ask for his power by his spirit to help you make progress. And then lastly, let's say to him, let's go. Back in the day, my, my older sibling, Dave and I, we used to have a, a football game on our old school console. I, I don't know how he'd fixed it to be like this but the rules were he could play as the absolute best team on the game who would beat any team you'd ever play against and I could choose any team but not that team and basically you can imagine what happened I got beat every single time but I just love playing games with my big brother so I would play again and again and again always with the naivety of the Sunderland supporter believing that victory might just be around the corner you know sometimes I get beaten by a little sometimes I get beaten by a lot but I keep on going no matter what. Uh, and maybe it's a little bit like this. We shouldn't let that, that knowledge or our imperfection stop us from saying, God, help me go. Help me go and live for you. Give us that, that desire for your perfection. 
Give me bravery in these situations. God, let's go in your power. That cycle is a lifetime's work. I've no doubt that I've looped around it infinite times. I'm sure you have too and will continue to. I must close, but as I do, let me end with one final encouragement. That actually there is a future horizon as well. Uh, that Jesus' instruction to be perfect is also a glimpse into our future. That one glorious day, Jesus will return to take us to be with him for eternity. And that eter- in that eternity, this command will be fulfilled. We will know what it's like to be perfect. How wonderful that is. How amazing and exciting that is. What good news for us that is. I must close, but allow me to, to pray for us as I do. Father God, we thank you for your word and what we find within it. I thank you that in Christ you have dealt once for all with our imperfection. Help us the desire to live out Christ's call to be perfect. Give us soft and ready hearts with a desire to confess the ways we fail to live this. Give us your spirit to change us day by day to make us more like you. Amen.